This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. All right, Tom, what do we got? Well, today we're going to be looking at the idea of everyone going west, right? That westward expansion, looking for seek out a better life, and we're going to be looking at one of the most infamous journeys that becomes known as the uh, Donner Party, which basically they sent out going west, and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yes. Imagine playing that game, the Oregon Trail, but making every single wrong decision constantly in that game. I love that game. And that's pretty much what what happened here. Although I'll be honest with you, I would never survive. I mean, the Donner Party, obviously, you know, (laughs) wouldn't want to be part of that, and we'll discuss that today. However... I don't think I'll ever survive doing any of this stuff that these guys did. I mean, just overall moving west. I mean, imagine taking everything you have into putting it on a wagon and going out west where there's Native Americans that are trying to kill you. There were certain passages that have not yet been discovered, which we're going to talk about today. Even, when, even the ones that you're going on are just dirt. They're not even dirt roads. They're like dirt paths. Like they're not, they're not necessarily, they're not roads or anything like that. And you're doing maps that were hastily put together if they're even accurate and right. And you're, if you didn't, if you calculated wrong, if you get hit with a snowstorm, if you don't didn't bring enough food, then you're done, and that's it. Yeah. If you get sick, forget about it. And if you go with a uh, uh, the Reed family or the Donner family, uh, something worse might happen to you. Well, if you follow someone, yeah, like uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the guy's name? Uh, Hastings, right? William Hastings. Yeah. So let's do this. So we're talking about like 1840s. Actually, when this event takes place, the Mexican American War, which we discussed in a podcast a few weeks ago, um, is concurrently happening. So the Mexican American War is more or less happening around this time, or the end of it is happening around this time, and a lot of people are moving west. This is like the beginning of this manifest destiny and this idea of western expansion. And the It's Americans pre-gold are, rush though. It's pre-gold rush. Only by a couple years. Only, yeah. only by a couple years. They're still going to California though. There there's ultimately what they're trying to do is they're trying to go to California and or Oregon. I mean there's a few trails here, but obviously the most famous trail would be the Oregon Trail. Um, when they kind of set off from Illinois, they go on the Oregon Trail and they eventually get to Fort Bridger. And that's when you kind of have a choice. You could continue on the Oregon Trail, which eventually will run into the California Trail. And then that will take you to Sutter's Fort, which would be the final destination in California. So you have the Donner family and then you have the Reed family. There's two different families that are involved here. Uh, the Donners is led actually by two brothers. They're fairly wealthy, Jacob and George Donner. They're immigrants. They initially followed the California Trail westward to Fort Bridger, Wyoming. And then from there, this is where it gets kind of murky and interesting. Yeah, right? well, because what happens is you have this man, like we said before, his name is Lansford Warren Hastings. And he has something that becomes known as the Hastings Cutoff. And it was a ill-advised shortcut, basically. And it was it would, it, it's a real shortcut. It would cut off 300 miles from the journey. So mm-hmm. it was it, it it would work, um, but Hastings never actually did it himself. He just kind of found it on a map. And there were two individuals that actually did do it, and they came back and actually warned the people in the Donna Party. Even said, "Listen, we just did it barely by foot. There's no way you're going to be able to get wagons, and there's no way you're going to be able to take women and children through this Hastings cutoff. Yep. It's too dangerous." It's too slow. It's, it's, it's gonna, you're not going to be able to move fast enough. There's, there's, there's a wooded area. You have to go across a desert, like a salt desert from, from a mm-hmm. dried out lake. It's, it's just not a good idea. And, but the Donner and Reed's parties that 
really push for this. They really want to go and try this out because they want to get to California as quickly as possible because they're already back. They're running behind. So, Aren't they running behind? They were the well, back of that. Yeah, at, at this time, you're supposed to leave in April. If you if you want to get to California, you want to leave by April, the mid-April by the latest because that's when wagons, it, they'll be avoiding the mud. Um, the, the grass will still be high enough so you'll be able to feed the cattle and stuff like yep. that. And they're, they're actually leaving May 12th, which is not a good idea. Yep. Most and, other sellers point, would every have day backed counts, away and right? said, forget it, we're not going anyway. Exactly. Every day counts at that point. Like you really, it's Hours very specific. Count, yeah. Like you need to leave by this date in April. And actually in that April of 1846, um, almost 500 wagons uh, left from Independence, Missouri, right? To to go on this trek. And these guys were like the last ones. The Donner and Reed parties were the last party to to join this movement, this Western expansion movement. And like you said, they kind of already left late. So when they make it to Fort Bridger, they're left with this choice. They could either continue on a already established trail, the continue on the Oregon Trail, moving up further up west into Wyoming, Montana-ish territory, and then get into the California Trail. However, what happens is, as you said, right, Hastings has this idea that, hey, I created or came up with this. Well, he was like a famous, he was kind of famous. He was a guidesman at the time. He never even went. He on. never did it. Yeah, he never did it himself. He yeah. was, he, he wrote a guidebook about how to get west and he never did it himself. Now, he does get involved in some of this. We'll talk about him. He does, the Donald Party actually meets up with him on a few times. They do. And they just, and they just keep on listening to him, which just gives them more misery. I don't know understand why. And another thing um, with this is, again, they're at that fort like you were talking about. People are telling them that they just took this Hastings Pass or took part of it, Hastings cut off, and they're like, do not do it. It's yeah, not, a, it's not a good idea. And he actually had some of these individuals uh, by the name of Brian and uh, one of the Reed brothers, a different Reed, he, they, they wrote all these letters. They, they actually went part of this Hastings cut off. They wrote all these letters, and they were going to stay or sending them to the Donner Party, and they believe they got intercepted. I'm sure you read that by a man named um, um, Jim Bridger. Yeah, and who owned they, that fort. Yeah, well, he oh, he owned the trading post where the Donna Party was buying all their supplies. So, well, it was on a way to uh, he owned the trading post. Excuse me, going towards the Hastings Cutoff. Yeah, if you were going to go the Hastings Cutoff, you would buy your supplies then at this trading post at Bridger's Trading Post. Mm -hmm. So they think he actually intercepted the letters and never gave them to the Donna Party. So they didn't even know because they think they probably would have listened to these individuals because yep. they knew them a little bit more. It wasn't just like these random strangers saying like this is not a good idea. Remember, some of the early members of the Donna Party did not did not go up. Well, they just went to California the normal way. They followed the Oregon Trail, the more yep. famous Oregon Trail. They didn't They didn't take the Hastings Cough. They were like, yeah, let, let's stick to the road you know, that we know. But as they get there, they find a letter that's like tucked in and, and like, it's actually like hanging on, I think, a stick or something. Like, hey, listen, don't even go this route yet. So has, ha, I thought it was Hastings, but Hastings. Hastings, Hastings. yeah, Hastings, Hastings. So Hastings. He says it's here, too dangerous. It's, it's, it's too, it's too yeah, impassable. He admits it. He's like, oh crap. He's admitting it. It's like, this is not, this is not safe. There's no way you're going to get wagons through. Exactly. So he's saying, meet me here and I will guide you through it. So the, this party um, waits another eight days and Hastings never yeah. shows up. So it's like they waste another eight days. And then they well, finally they, send yeah. a scout out going forward to, to find Hastings. And they're like, all right, like what's going on? Now Hastings tells them, listen, uh, the original plan, you're, you are already on my route, right? On my Hastings cutoff. Um, clearly, you could track back, which is going to take you probably, you're going to lose probably another week or two. Or you're going to keep on going forward, but don't go my original way. Go this way instead. He doesn't actually come back to lead them. He kind of just tells them, try he tells this me other go, road. 
just try this way. Again, he's never done it. He's just exactly. saying, go this way. And they, and, and they go with it. They just, they trust him for whatever reason. This is one of those things that historians debate. They try to understand why do they keep on trusting him? Because they only brought enough food for four months. Yes. And now they're kind of realizing they're not, they're not making good time because they spent those eight days. Every day counts. And they're averaging because of, because they're going through this area and because they already got stuck in some, um, rainstorms right by uh yep. in kansas slowed them down also they had to build rafts think about it, they had to build rafts put supplies on rafts and make it go across the river which a couple of people died doing that i just thought so I, just the, keep, I just keep on thinking of uh fording the river in oregon trail i played I that in middle that school so. i remember still playing it was fun stuff but i mean not in this case obviously we should also mention i think we forgot to actually say the fact that there's about 81 people total and out of those 81 people, more than half of them were younger than 18. They were kids. There were a lot of kids. We'll get yeah, to that. like literally more than half of that entire party of 80. Well, they're, taking their, they're taking their entire families. Yeah. And like six were infants. I mean, yeah. this was like, those were families in these wagons, as you said, that kind of thought they were going to save time by going in through this pass. And they clearly didn't. And they soon started kind of running out of food. Well, Sorry, again, so there's happened? a reason if this is a shorter path and people realize it was going to be shorter, um, mile wise, you know, like the shortest distance, every point is a straight line. So they kind of realized that, but there was also got to be an idea why people didn't use it. Like they realized this is probably not the safest way. It's not going to be an easy way. All right. The Oregon trail might be a little longer, but it's a little safer and it wasn't safe at all. But, but compared to the Hastings cutoff, it was a lot, it was a lot easier. So they're, they're basically, they're trying to do this and they're, and they're, they're making very bad time. They're averaging about one and a half miles a day when a they day. should be averaging at least 15. Yep. And they're only averaging 1.5, if that, because they have to cut down trees and they get the wagons through and the animals are getting stuck or the animals don't want to go any further. And it's just becoming harder and harder and harder for them. And again, they don't really have any choice they have to keep on going forward because they're reaching a point of basically no return they don't they're, they're going to run out of provisions before um anything else basically happens and they keep on ignoring all of these signs that maybe they should turn back until basically they can't turn back anymore yeah yeah so now it's uh by late august um they finally reached the mountains where they could look down at the great salt lake they kind of have doubts about this because they're they basically have to go across this great salt lake desert it's and there was a note, um, there's a note that's left for them, you know, because they did follow Hastings Pass. So there's Hastings leaves a note basically saying you have about two days ahead of you crossing this desert. Um, there's no water. However, there will be water at the end, you know, within like 48 hours. And that's a lie because it takes them like, what is it, like 10 days to cross that? Well, again, and Hastings was able to cross it, but he was crossing it just him and a companion on a horse. That's the two of yeah. them. That's a lot different than trying to pull a wagon train full of men and women and children and all every oil supplies they have cattle they have mules they have pack animals they try to get all of those across and there's actually reports of like native americans seeing this and be like what are these settlers doing like just laughing at them saying they're going to try to cross this desert there's no way they're going to be able to cross it in that and and it's one of the things too they just didn't realize the threat of the natives because what the native americans were doing almost as like sport is they were just picking off their cattle on purpose yep. they started taking it yep they would, they would steal them in the middle of the night. They would just shoot and kill the cattle. And they're doing this on purpose because they realize that's just dwindling their the number of their livestock as they're going through. And they never really woes, woes up to really protect it in any way. 
Yeah, so it, it essentially was supposed to be a two-day journey that was going to supposedly take him 40 miles. And it took them like 80 miles to cross it. And believe it or not, no, no human lives were lost crossing it. But they lost most of their horses, their animals, their um, Yeah, well, a lot of the oxes wagons, ran off. Or, oxes the oxes ran all off. ran off, yeah. And, and you got to understand what that's going to do is it's just going to slow them down more because now they don't have the ox to pull the wagon. So how are they going to do this? They leave the wagons, but now the people are carrying all the supplies themselves. Yep. So they're actually strapped on huge you know, backpacks basically holding everything they can carry plus the plus the, the children still and they're trying to just basically walk across this barren salt desert so finally once they get past this great salt lake they finally rejoin uh the traditional trail so they made it through hastings pass right but now they made it and rejoined this this trail at such a late date they are so behind where they're supposed to be with relation to winter coming basically well, basically yeah, it's it's october and then to make things worse winter comes a little bit early that year yes and in, it's supposedly in one of the Sierra Nevada mountains yeah one of the worst winters ever for that that time yeah, it's horrible yeah um and as you also said native americans are kind of joining them here and there and they're stealing and shooting their oxen and horses like there's like things cannot go any worse as they keep on going the dino party kind of starts to splinter into different groups right this is yeah. where it gets well i think it's important to note too that before all that is that they literally miss this getting out of the getting through the mountains, the mountains pass by like a day or two. If yeah. they weren't delayed just literally by like a day or two, they would have gotten through before the storm hit. And, and then before it. it became too icy, and they would have been fine. You would have never heard of Donna Party, would just be another footnote in history. Yes, yeah, some people died early on, but it wouldn't have been anything big. It's because of the fact that they got iced in, frozen in. They had to retreat to um, this nearby, what was called Truckee Lake, and they had to wait for their winter to pass, and they built these ramshackle tents and cabins and most of their supplies and livestock were already lost on that trail now what were they going to do what were they going to eat they didn't, they didn't have the food anymore right so a lot yeah. of the settlers started to starve to death or perish from uh, malnutrition and like you said they start to splinter off and they're not really happy because now they're really starting to blame certain people for getting them into this mess well the first one that to get banished is reed right the father well, yeah, of the but, reed family but why and did reed happens- get banished <laughs> well, he gets banished because he gets into an argument with another guy, and eventually he shoots this other guy and kills him. He stabs him. him. He stabs him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot, stabs him. My bad. So yeah. he stabs him, kills him, and then the idea is like, well, what do we do with this guy? He just killed somebody, and they decide as a camp they're going to banish Reed. So first of all, that's that turns out to be a good thing because Reed is banished and kind of sent forward, and he barely, but he does. He does make it across to California, and he's one of the first rescue parties to come and get Yeah, them. he basically tells the people back in California that, listen, we got to go help out this party that's stuck in the mountains. Yeah. yeah and he's one of the reasons. He, there's four relief efforts we'll get to, and he, he leads the, the first one, yeah. He's what basically makes people know that who's stuck up there. They also uh, wind up at one point sending a couple guys ahead and, uh, you know, because they realize while they're getting through the Salt Lake and stuff that this is like not good. They do make it through. Is that the, the Furlong Hope or no? Yeah. No, not yet. Um, the Furlong Hope is a little after. The These way. are the guys yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. come in and give them some extra food and stuff. And they bring That's the two right. Native Americans with them. Yeah. So that become um, part of the Furlong Hope. They become part. They eventually do become part of the Furlong, right? So let's. Um, all right. So let's get into that, I guess. Well, like basically the winter's coming and it's getting bad. So like I said, they made a lot of. Food is getting very, very scarce. So yeah. they start eating bark off of trees. They're boiling like their saddles and stuff like that. They're eating their pack animals. They, yeah, um, they eat their horses. I mean, they're, they're dogs. They horse, literally they're dogs. Yeah, yeah. They're that. 
surprisingly, there's still mules left. And they, even when everything is over, they, there's a few mules that survive. They just don't eat them. That's so which, odd, isn't it? It's, it's, especially getting what they do eat, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the couple of these mules, they just don't eat. But what they're doing is they're also taking off the shingles off their, their makeshift shacks that they made, which are kind of like leathery, and they're mm-hmm. boiling them. And like, yeah. and again, like this like paste type of thing. And again, it's enough to barely survive on. And they're hunting too. They do kill some deers. They, they shoot and kill a bear at one point. Yep. So they are, they, 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 they are foraging off the land. It's, it's just not enough, especially with all the calories that they burnt just to get there, especially with just um, trying to stay warm and trying to stay alive. It's just not the nutrition that they need. They're not getting proper nutrition either. So then other diseases are going to set in. And I mean, we if should you get also, tuberculosis, you're done. Yeah, we should also say that like there's supposedly anywhere between 15 to 30 foot snow drifts here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's there a are times winter. they said that they their walk. entire cabin, yeah, their entire cabin was covered in snow and they just wouldn't get out. For like a week at a time, they literally stayed in one cabin. Like we, they were unable to get out because there was like 15 to even 30 feet of snow. And there was technically two camps. Uh, we should say that because Donner's, mm-hmm. um, as they're going up this hill, so basically what's happening is there's a big mountain in the Sierras and Sierra Nevadas, and they're making it up um, this mountain. And Donner, his um, something happens with his mule, right? And his wagon breaks. So they wind up stopping. And the Reed family, uh, among with the Breens, there's a couple other families there. They make it up and they establish their camp closer to the lake, which now bears their name. It's known as Donner Lake. But Donner's camp is actually further down um, the trail. So they're not necessarily next to one another. Like these are technically two different camps that are semi-close, but not like close enough considering the weather. And we know a lot about this due to the fact that a lot of these people, um, ultimately they held, I mean, they kept diaries, right? I mean, a lot of the kids, as you said, they're eating anything that like they're eating, they start, start to even boil the, um, there's you probably read about this, right? They kept on boiling the bones of all their animals the, over, yeah, and over, and over, over and over again. and over again just to get anything they could out of it. Yeah. They were eating – like they did kill some mules and, st- and apparently I guess mule meat's very tough, very disgusting. They're boiling their saddles, the shingles on their roofs, any, anything that was in some form organic. They're boiling and eating and even that's not enough. And they are foraging. They're eating what they can find. But when you have 30-foot snow drifts, you're not finding much. And the idea here is that they're just trying to survive enough for the winter to kind of pass them by. So that, again, they were only about 150 miles away from their destination. As you said, like another day, they would have made it over the hill. The point is to make it over this hill or these mountains, and then they would be a kind of on their way towards where they needed to go. But they just got stuck like up on that. Like basically on the eastern side, but closer to the top of the mountain, which is insane. All right, so let's talk about this forlorn hope. Well, there were other attempts to get out, right? You had like Margaret Reed tried to save, um, tried to get out with some of, um, in, um, for, uh, some other ones, uh, Virginia Melt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Eliza Williams. Basically, they, they, these were a lot of the women. They were like, listen, they're watching their children starve to death. And they're saying it's going to be better to go out and try to bring food back than watch your children starve. So they left and they, after four days, the snow was just too much. They had to come back and they just basically all moved into one cabin and started eating the oxen root hides of the other cabins to survive. So yeah. that's basically what they that's basically what they did. Mm-hmm. So a lot they had to figure out something. Okay. So this group that later becomes known as the Forlorn Hope, it's a group of 17 men, women, and children. This shows how desperate they were that women and children were also sent sent out during this. The youngest one was actually um William Murphy. He was 10 years old. 
Yeah. He's actually going going on on this. And, and they created these like snowshoes, right? They like made snowshoes that were not easy. It was hard to walk on the snow, but it, it allowed them to actually do it. Walk, yeah. So they were able actually to try to get through this mountain pass. Okay. And, you know, a lot of these men, they were, these men were fathers and women were um, actually left their children with other women just to, so they could try to get out. They packed lightly, taking just a few, like what I think was six days worth of rations, some, mm-hmm. some, a blanket that they had, some pistols and stuff, and they head out. And as they're going, um, it wasn't an easy climb. Things are getting worse and worse and they're all malnourished anyway. Um, the snow was at least, at least 12 feet deep. Yeah. And, and this is where third, it get this is where it gets kind of like this is when it gets bad because yeah. by the third by the third day most of them went snow blind basically the sun bouncing off they didn't have or didn't think to make like sunglasses or sun sun yeah, sun visors snow yeah. visors yeah so they they couldn't see they are basically you know when you go outside you know it's a snowy day when it's sunny the sunlight just bounces off the snow it can blind you so and that's what basically happened to them so a lot of them starts to um, a few of them head back like that ten year old boy. Um, William Murphy, he heads back. A lot of the other younger ones start to turn back. So a lot of them do actually turn back. Um, I believe like another like nine or so decide to keep on going. Yep. I thought, it was, I, I thought it was like, well, I think nine make make it. I think there is ultimately like it's like eleven or twelve, 12 actually keep 11, on going. Yeah. yeah, they keep on going, and they're pushing it and they're pushing it. And um, what's happening is on the sixth day, one of them um, starts to get very tired. And they're becoming lost, they're becoming confused. And after two more days without food, one of them by the name of Patrick Dolan um, proposed that one of them should volunteer to die in order for the other ones to feed off of them. And this was something that if you read the diaries, that some of them they talk about earlier on that this was things that people started to bring up. You know, like what, what's going to happen? What, what should we do with, you know, the guy that died? What should we do with his body? Or when this person dies, what should we do? They're, they're reasoning that that might be something that happens. Because again, they're just starving. They're, they're they don't have, they're just, they're just malnourished. They have nothing left. So this, yeah, they, we should, they're like, seeing. We should people. just remind the listeners that this is not the main party. This is just like the guys no. that are going to get help. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol, about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week, wherever you get your podcasts. Right. That's where, exactly. they, that's really where cannibalism starts. It doesn't actually start yeah. in the main. It, it start, it's, you know, yeah, it doesn't start the camp. They, they don't have a lot of food, but they have enough to, if they ration it and they're eating like their yeah. roofs. And like we said, so they're surviving. This is the ones who are out basically with nothing else. They don't even have the ox hide roofs to do that. Um, so they're, they're trying to come up with some ways to do that. They're suggesting a duel, um, maybe a lottery to choose which member to sacrifice. So eventually they say, all right, let's just keep on moving and then we'll um, see what happens. Okay. So there was this one man by the name of Antonio. He didn't have a family. He was more of, um, he was an animal herder. He mm-hmm. was the first to die. And then a, a man by the name of Franklin Graves dies next. And as the blizzard um, progressed, Dolan who um, started to go insane, right? He stripped off his clothes. He ran into the woods. He's generally they say that's something very common when people get like hypothermia. They actually get really hot. So they'll like strip off their clothes and they'll run around. And um, he returns shortly afterwards and just drops dead a few hours later. Um, and another man by the name of Murphy was near death. So they decided, you know what? Dolan was the one that offered that if he dies first, you can feed him my corpse. 
He's when they came up with the idea. So they start to eat the bot, eat the flesh from Dolan's body. Yeah. Um, and then they actually like afterwards, they, in order to store some of the flesh for, for days, they started drying. They literally started cutting pieces of yeah, him well, yeah. and these bodies and they started drying them um, to kind of take, make sure they could eat it. On the way and not, not all of them from this party ate it either. Um, that guy we talked about before, um, Eddie, he refused yeah. to eat it. William Eddie, yeah. he refused to eat it. And then you had these two other men by the name of Salvatore, Salvador and Luis. They refused to eat it too. They are, they are actually Native American um, guides. Yeah. They, they, they joined the party halfway, halfway up the mountain. Yeah, those are the guys that were brought back when they, when, yeah. Yeah, they, they were forward. They refused to eat it too. Um, so the next morning, like you said, they're stripping the muscle and the organs from the bodies of the other men, Antonio, Dolan, Graves, and Murphy. They're drying them out so they can store them. And they set off again. And eventually they start to um, – Eddie does eventually eat. He succumbs to hunger. And they're saying they can just eat this. So he ate it too because he was basically going to die if he didn't. Yep. And they eventually had to eat their snowshoes. So the only thing that was allowed, the webbing of their snowshoes. And yep. that's when they're like, all right, you know, well, we're off. We know each other, right? So many other survivors – and that's when the idea of maybe we should kill Lewis and Salvador, right? These two Native American people that they don't really know. They don't know them. They're just people that are on this trip with them. They don't have families that they know of. So like maybe we shoot and kill them and then use them for food. So um, William Eddy, who was very against a lot of this, he warned the two men and they left that night. Yeah. They, they ran off, but we'll get back to them. And then what's basically going on here is that there's seven members left and they're just trying to figure out something, what to do. So um, William Eddy and Mary Graves, they decide to go off on a hunt. And they actually come back with a deer, with deer meat. Um, yeah. When they come back, a man died the night before, Jay um, Fostick. He dies and they're, they're already cutting his body apart. Basically, the idea was once you make that decision, once you cross that taboo line, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Then you just start seeing people as food in this state when you're just starved. And so, you know, someone dies, that's it. They're not killing anybody at this moment, but they're, they're they will eat. If you die, they're going to eat you. They're yeah. going to use your body. Your body then becomes food. Yeah. And what was really disturbing is this happens a bit more later on. We'll talk about it. They actually had people taking great care that you would not eat your own family member. Yeah, I was going to say that before. That, they, what, they were that's, very much like, okay, can't eat this arm because that was like your daughter. I this, mean, that's this is, really yeah. how bad it is. Literally, literally. They, they, were, they were also, well, I mean, morbid stuff, but well, well, there were infants that were also consumed. Most of them survive. And they say that yeah, we'll a small that. group of them stumbles into like a Native American settlement. And they look so bad that initially the Native Americans actually freak out and run they away. Run out. Like, yeah, they run out. There's like half dead people. That, yeah, we, we got to make sure we say that. But before all that, um, those two people that ran off, right? Sal, oh, well, Salvador yeah, and Lewis, they get found like malnourished. So um, they shoot them. Uh, William Foster actually shoots them in the head and then eats them. It's a, they're actually you know cons they're shot and then consumed, and then they wind up stum stumbling to that Native American um, settlement, and they're they're scary because they're so um, basically they look so deteriorated. Yeah, and they yeah. they feed them some acorns, pine nuts, and things like that, yeah. and they continue on with the help of the tribesmen. They reach a small ranch um, farming community in the Sacramento Valley. And that's when they start to assemble a rescue party for the other six survivors of the uh, Forlorn Hope. And they their journey from the lake it's like thirty three days, it was right? thirty three days long. Yeah. So they spent thirty three days basically just in the in the in the wild in the woods in the yeah. snowstorm and like eating people eating, eating each other. It. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. insane. And that's where you get into like the, the relief, the rescues. There's technically three or four rescue attempts. 
the the first one starts with Reed. I mean, the one that was banished initially. Um, yeah, well, he he really, wants to get back to his family. Yeah, he wants to get back to his kids and, and his wife. And and he tries. And they said that he, again, he makes it um, up to the mountaintop almost. But he's still on the western side. And they said if he, he was like maybe a few hours away from crossing over and finding the camp. But the weather was just so bad that he's got to go back. So he goes back. Um and then when he gets back, by then he kind of runs into William Eddy because they've been saved already. This this um, Forlorn Hope party saved. So they kind of give him some hints as to where to look and what to do. And that's when you start this, this other rescue party. Again, the problem with these rescue parties is that the weather is still not good. So uh, not only is the weather not good, but the passage is not good itself, which means that they can't really bring wagons. So the rescue parties have to go very much in small. They're very small rescue parties. And what yeah. they do is... As they're going towards the Reed and Donner parties, they are basically hunting and they're hiding these this food from these animals. They're hiding, um, hunting rather, for their way back. They like hide them and put stone and rocks over them so that way they have they have food on the way back. And as they keep on going and going and going, they barely make it to these camps. And then they finally it's not the first, easy. Yeah, the it's first party finally makes it to the camp. And you know, first of all, they don't have much food left either. And whatever the food they do give to some of these kids and families, they're like, don't eat too much because like we don't want you to die because you haven't eaten so for so long. And they're that's only thing, able yeah. to rescue a few people. They're like, that's the thing. Only- it's not like, yeah, it's not like it's an instant rescue party. Their rescue no. process takes over two months yep. to actually happen because there is just, and some of them are pretty interesting. We'll talk about some of the individual ones because during this time, people are still dying. Like, it's not like, they know rescue's coming, but like, like you said, Pete, there's no way to get massive amounts of aid to these people or get all these people out right away. It's still the middle of winter, so and it's a mountain pass, so it's not easy. So as they are rescuing people, and they are rescuing people, others are dying in between. So some are actually dying on the route itself. Um, Isaac Don- Isaac Donner is one of them, right? He's like one of the young yeah. sons. He actually dies from um, later on, I think, the second relief. Um, but in the first day, they're getting people out, but they're not they're not surviving. Not at that not, speed. Not everyone. Not everyone. Yep. And also, it's, it's too hard. What kind of sucked too is that as they were making it back down a mountain with someone having rescued some of these people, they realized that the food that they hunted for and hid on the way up was taken by animals, like wolves and stuff yeah. came in and oh, stole they're gonna it. Find it. Yeah, they're gonna so find now it. they're back to starvation. Even the actual rescue party and the relief party is in starvation mode to try to make it back. The second relief party. Um, that this is when of, start, th- things start to get a little yeah, like kind rough. of freaky. Yeah. Like like at one point they get to the creek camp. Um, the, the relief party makes it, it reaches this one particular um, cabin, and they literally see one of the people carrying a human leg, and then like yeah. he sees them, and so he like throws it, you know, in this hole in the snow, it's, and it, in that hole in the snow is basically this dismembered bo- body of Jacob Donner. Um, so this guy didn't want to be caught like just carrying a human leg into the um, cabin that he was about to consume and inside in a second relief party they find elizabeth donner who is near starvation because she refuses to eat her husband um but she's feeding her children uh, you know the father's organs i mean the yeah, children so are surviving by eating their father eat her father's own organs yeah right and by then they're saying that the rescuers that come in at the second relief party they find um three other bodies in the donner camp cabin um that are already pretty much consumed. They just find remnants of three other bodies. Um, so like, it's very evident that during this time, as these rescue parties are leaving and coming back, 
um, the Donner Party that stayed behind is starting to literally live off of bodies. I mean, they're eating dead bodies. What's also interesting about this, this is in the second relief, I believe it was, yep. he had a man by the name of John Stark. I think I'm sure you saw him, right? Yep. And he was he really becomes kind of like famous in this. There's a lot of like um, bad people make bad decisions. He's actually one of these guys. He, he goes up and he's one of these mountain men, right? And he comes in and he wants to – his whole thing is he, he gets there and he sees all these men are perishing and stuff like that and um, people are – trying to like pay them here, take me down, stuff like that. He's like, listen, he basically said, I'm getting the kids out of here. He, he refuses to leave any children behind. So what he does is he's going like up and down. Um, he winds up getting nine children himself out mm-hmm. of this time. Um, 11, 11 total, but nine children. And he goes up and down. He's actually carrying them underneath his arms, on his shoulders. And he'll walk a couple yards, put them down, go back up, get the other ones, and walk them down a couple yards. He's just going back and forth. He's continuing this grueling process all the way down the mountain. And he eventually led all nine of the uh, children out. And um, years later, one of the uh, uh, survivors credited her rescue to him, saying, nobody but God and Stark and the Virgin Mary helped me survive this. Yep. And so what was interesting about the Third Relief is some of the people who joined up the Third Relief were a little, um, how can I say this in a nice way? They weren't exactly of great moral caliber. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you saw that. They were individuals basically saying, listen, you come up and help us get the rest of these people out, because it wasn't an easy trip to do. A lot of these people died. And you can take whatever belongings is still there. Remember, these people brought their life savings. There's money, there's gold, there's jewelry. So yeah. they're saying that you can take what's ever there if the person's dead, if you help yeah. get the survivors out. So a lot of these people joined up to do this and they start going up and that's when they find um, some of the young Donner girls, Elizabeth, yeah. Georgia, and uh, Francis, three, four, and six. They find them here during the uh, this third relief. Yeah. And these parties go up, and this is when they also run into um, Klesenberg. Kes- I'm sure you said. Yeah, K- Klesenberg. That, I mean, this is so like. What happened with him? Yeah, this, this is what really creates the whole cannibalism yeah, story. I mean, this so this, this is what people get. Yeah, like Klesenberg, um, the way they find him is they basically walk into one of the cabins, right? You try to imagine this. They walk into one of these cabins, and it's like pitch dark in there with a little fire. It is just illuminated, illuminated by a little fire. And on the ground is this, this old man, Klesenberg. That's he's surrounded by parts like body parts. There's blood everywhere. He is dirty and bloody. And he's like, you know, sitting in a corner. Think of like, you know, my precious kind of like Lord of the Rings, you know, style. Um, You know, and if he's got guns near him, he's got jewelry collected from all these people. But he's living inside this like just you know, cabin full of mutilated, half-eaten bodies. I mean... Yeah, and they found a pot full of boiling human flesh in his cabin. Yeah, like, he was nuts. And he was, like... Money. He had $273. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely... He was the last person, last member of the Donner Party to to ultimately make it out of there altogether. And And they they almost killed him. He was the craziest one. Yeah. And the people wanted... The the part, the salvage part of that came in. They wanted wanted to uh, kill him. They wanted to hang him upright. Hang him. Because they were like, no, he definitely killed... um, um, the Don, the Don, Mrs. Murphy, they believe he killed, yep. uh, Tamsin Donner. He believed that, that he, they believed that they killed him. No, he, he basically, they, he's the one that went crazy. He said they died the of natural causes, but he, they, they, everyone thinks, or they at least thought that he killed him. Yeah. Yep. They, yeah. They, he was the last one that basically said, you know what? I'm going to survive by basically killing whoever's left and eating them. And he does that. And he is the last one to survive as, as crazy as that sounds. So he does get out of there. And then the news of Donner Party kind of spreads fairly quickly. And initially, um, 
it does slow down a little bit because the ordeal, you know, the ordeals and the cannibalism aspect really does get out into the papers. I guess Especially we have to say out of the 87, right, only 48 survived. So yeah. that, just so you get that. So 48 survivors do get out. They survive. And then, yeah, like you said, it starts to go into the papers and stuff. And actually, mostly, a, lot of these children um, were, a lot of these children are orphaned. Their parents yeah, I was going to say, most of the people that do survive are, are children. Are children. And they yeah. are orphaned. But, but, but the problem is that some of them do wind up getting adopted. But then people start to kind of, in today's terms, bully them because they're like, well, they're cannibals. And they start treating them like, well, these, these, are, these kids ate people. And there's they're they kind of branded as that, and they have kind of terrible lives going forward because people known them as cannibals, even though they were kids. And it granted, yes, highly likely most of those kids did eat organs of people, but they were fed to them when they were like four years old. You know, I mean, what do you do at four years old? You hungry, right? Not that yeah. that's okay. Just throwing that out there, by any means. So. The expeditions overall decrease, uh, decrease after this. In a few first years, people are like, ah, numbers dropped. Like, maybe we're going to just kind of chill. But historians believe that it was probably because the ongoing Mexican-American War, uh, more so than like the cautionary tale of the Donner Party. Um, and obviously, by the time in 49, when, when gold's discovered, forget it. You know, we're, we're it was, willing it to was risk a risk. It. it was a risk they were going to take, yeah. Yeah, we're willing to risk it. But you're right. Um, yeah, 48 of them survived out of 87. It was like eight, between 81 to 87 once you start adding people that kind of were added to that party as they kept on going. But um, the last one, I think, actually passed away during the Great Depression, 1935. And this is happening yeah. in 1840. There so. were a couple that had some really tough times. Like Nancy Graves was one of them. She was uh, only nine years old. And they said that she just never, like historians always try to contact her. Like yeah. interesting, you know, we want to record your story, give us an account of the events. And they said like she never recovered from it. And um, she actually cannibalized her own brother and mother to survive. And they said she just never was able to bounce back from that. And, like who who would? Um, a lot of the other ones, some other ones start other families. Um, that Kissenberg guy, he actually brought a lawsuit against several members of the Leaf Party who accused him of murdering Donner, yep. Tamson Donner. And the court actually awarded him damages in the form of $1. But he had wow. to pay. He had, but he had to pay the uh, court costs. So you know, they kind of like they didn't like him either. So he he came out a lot of these stories and stuff like that. Um, but again, and they they kind know, of conclude that whether question, he was innocent or not. You asked the question like, what would you do? I mean, when when these guys started this, right? Um, initially, again, they killed off their oxen, horses, everything that they could eat meat. Then they but two the mules survived. Two mules yeah, did which survive. Which is kind of odd. I find that so odd. Yeah, I, I don't um, understand that either. All right. Uh, they boil hides. They pick up uh, bone marrow. Um, they actually made this like disgusting goo from the hides, right? And it had a very yeah. little, if any, nutritional value. Um, then they found mice, believe it or not, that were trying to get into the warm cabin. So they yes, that's right. ate field mice uh, that they caught in these cabins. They um, they finally got to the point where they had to kill all the beloved dogs because they actually brought a lot of dogs to them. After the dogs, um, they killed them and ate them. Then they started chewing on pine cones, uh, pine bark, and then you know they're freezing, starving, and they start becoming delirious. I mean, that's ultimately what starts to happen. Um, and then it's you know they had something to chew on, so they started chewing on anything they could find, right? And you know, as people were dying, dead companions and friends, family. At that point, it didn't really matter when you're dying from starvation. Um, I guess that is the last resort, right? But then again, the, it would be the last resort because you're dying after that. But 
also we should say that a lot of them did try their best not to consume flesh. It, it, it wasn't everybody not all of yeah. them not, not all survivors did consume most of the ones that consumed it they said were probably the children that were fed it by the adults to keep the to keep them going and they actually found a, in alder creek which is right by where this was they found a bunch of bones and there was no evidence of cannibalism on the bones so this yeah. was definitely people who died there so you know, and uh, it, it it's just different. Well, the different camps too. There was different levels of what was going on. Exactly, and I was going to go to that because you know you're trying to put yourself in the shoes. Like, what would you do in their situation, right? I mean, cannibalism, how awful, right? I, but like, what would you do if your children are starving to death, freezing to death? You know, like it's such a. I mean, I mean, I could never imagine. I keep on thinking of like um, that movie Clarice. Remember with uh, Silence of the Lambs and all that. But like. The Reed family, they survived. The entire family, the entire Reed family, survived, family yeah. He survived. actually came back and rescued his family, all his kids, yeah. Yeah, and all, yeah, since he rescued his entire family and kids. And um, they, you know, those that survived, they wind up not eating any human flesh. So it was possible, you know, to, to survive this without having to eat flesh. I mean, obviously not for everybody else, but I guess it was possible. Um. You know, so what can we learn from the Donner Party today? I mean, well, it is basically, still you know, it's it's hard yeah. decisions. You know, like I don't think what they did was you can well, you can look at it and say what they did was neither you know a villain like a horrible act or a heroic act. It was just they had to act to survive. Yeah. So that's not wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. They just did what they needed to to survive, and then you know people are going to judge them for it. And again, it wasn't everybody, and it's also the um, dispute about how much. Who was really doing the cannibalism? Why it was doing it? Um, you know, they did kill those two Indians just to eat them, but that was part of the forlong hope. That was really that's really the one that starts it all. Yep. So, but again, it's it, it's just one of those stories, and it just shows you what how difficult these people basically were looking to cr have like their American dream, right? And they just had a complete nightmare, the ultimate nightmare instead. Yeah, I think a good way to kind of finish this too is um, looking at a letter um, that was written by Patty Reed. Um, she wrote this to her cousin after she was rescued. Patty Reed was, you know, one of the kids. And uh, the quote kind of really resonates with me. I think it's a good way to finish this. She said in this letter, We have left everything, but I don't care for that. We have got through with our lives. Don't let this letter dishearten anybody. Remember, never take no cutoffs and hurry along as fast as you can. I mean, ultimately, ignorance, right? And arrogance. I mean, these guys would try to... they. The idea is like they're trying to cut corners. It's like your parents always tell you that when you're little. Like my dad always said, don't cut corners. Do it right. Do it twice. You what's, know? What, what are the, what's the old Carmenter thing, right? Like measure twice, cut once. Yeah, right. Um, right so it's, it's like that because if they didn't – first of all, they should have never have gone. Hindsight period. 2020 in May. You just you just yeah. don't do it. Everyone was like, well, it's kind of late to begin with. Then once they got delayed in Kansas – and once they got delayed another eight days looking for um, Hastings, Hastings, whatever, yeah, that's it. Like, you should, there's no way to keep on going. And then it, they were just literally a day or two, if that, if it was even that long, from just getting across that mountain pass. They said 150 miles away, which is a long distance, but they get through that mountain pass. They're not stuck. They're not snowed in. There's, there's not. There's no 30, 30 foot, uh, you know, snowdrifts and stuff like that. They, they, they can get out, and then they're in California. That's it. So it was just like. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Donna party.
Um, one last thing before we, we finish. Did you know that James Reed, right, um, being the interesting character here, he's the guy that gets banished. He's the guy that comes back for his family. It's kind of like the, the good feel, you know, feel good story here. Um, so I don't know if you knew this, but he had a, a business in Illinois in Springfield. Um, and he actually uh, was helped out in his business by a young guy, um, a young lawyer, prairie lawyer named Abe Lincoln. And they became really good friends, James Reed and Abe Lincoln. And they were messmates in the Black Hawk War um, and became really good friends. And when Reed eventually declares bankruptcy uh, from his business and sets out on a trail to kind of rebuild his life going um, to California, um, he discusses this with his friend Lincoln. And Lincoln is very interested in going um, with the Donner Party. I mean, Abe Lincoln could have been yeah. part of Donner. the Donner Party. Who knows like, what that is, happened, yeah insane and it said that he might have signed up but he had a very driven and very intense wife mary and mary was like um you know what i have family members in california and they kind of gone out in early wagon train trains um and she already had a toddler son and she was pregnant she's like you know i'm hearing nothing great over there and she's the one that convinced lincoln not to join the donner party how different would history have been that's nuts. Yeah, if nuts. he goes there, yeah, that, that, that changes a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One, one would think. One would think. Right. All right. So um, I guess that concludes our podcast on, on the Donner Party. Um, again, you guys could watch documentaries. There's movies made. It's on documentaries. There's a whole bunch of memorials at the Hastings Cutoff in the round. They have yes. Donner Lake, like you mentioned before. They have a lot of memorials. One of them is actually a giant rock that was um, – they believe it was, it was used as like a fireplace, right? Or as a like fireplace that. in some of the houses, yeah. um, one of the cabins. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history about this. There's movies, documentaries, books, you name it. This is one of those things that's always going to be talked about. Yeah, so if you guys are interested um, in any of it, please, yeah, go ahead. Again, this is just a nice short conversation to get spark some of your uh, interest here. So, as always, thank you very much, um, everyone, for uh, tuning in and listening to us every week. We greatly appreciate it, and we are always, always open to suggestions. You got anything else, Tom? No, no that's it. Just we, we like to, any feedback that you might have, and uh, we we appreciate you listening. Awesome. All right, take care, everyone. Stay safe. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.